Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But when I think back on my childhood, there really wasn't a lot of talking with my parents. There was a lot of care and love and consistency. You know, we had our routines and we had our homemade dinners every night. So everything was there. All the ingredients were there for a caring household. But I think there was a lot of silence in in a strange way. There was peace, but there was a lot of silence when there probably didn't need to be. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
Hey beautiful souls, how's your week going? It's been really great to see your reactions to my previous couple of podcasts. My chat with Emma was so special and I know you felt it too. And then the wonderful Louise with his story of growing up in a cult resonated with you guys too because we don't have to have also grown up in a cult to understand the feelings of fear and control from those who are our caregivers. And that's the beauty in hearing another person's story. It's not that our experience was exactly the same, but that we know where they're coming from. We understand and we have empathy and we know that we felt those feelings and emotions. And we can also find new wisdom and information in another person's story that we'd never even thought of before. Sometimes we can be taken down a new path and it's like we can feel our brain light up a new pathway. And that can lead to new insight, new healing and new understanding. This week I'm chatting with Kimberly, and Kimberly grew up in a, a calm and loving household. No big dramas, no angry words. She can't even remember seeing her parents have a fight or disagree. Could this be the perfect family? It sounds so calm and peaceful, right? But Kimberly wants to share the flip side to that and tell us about how sometimes when you don't ever see anger, it can be something that you just don't understand. There was no model on how to express anger. There may have been feelings of anger inside, but what are they and how do you convey those feelings to the world when you've never seen it? And then when there's not much talking or communication or guidance, just a lot of peaceful silence, how can you learn from that? How do you learn emotional intelligence? Please join me in hearing Kimberly's story. Kimberly, your mum and dad were immigrants to the US and you were born in the US yourself. Tell me a little bit about the background to that story. Why did they choose to make a life for themselves in the US? So they grew up very simply um, in the Philippines and there was not a lot of opportunity for them. Um, very intelligent people. Um, they wanted to build careers and build a life for their kids, like so many other um, people who want to immigrate to the United States. It's just, you know, a place for opportunity. So that's why they had their eye on the U.S. Um, and I think that when, I think that a, a lot of young children, or at least in their families, um, you're kind of primed to want to eventually move to the United States if you can. So get good grades and then try to get a job and immigrate over there um, so that you have more opportunities than you have here. That, that's what prompted them to move here in the 70s, 1970s. Okay. And so as, as immigrants, they would have been working maybe quite long hours, quite hard. Were they physically around for you when you were growing up? So, um, yes, they are very, were and are very hardworking. It, it's almost like, like the typical cliche immigrant story where they, my dad came over first and um, with very little money, he was the valedictorian in his high school in the Philippines. He was, he taught college level, I believe, courses. And, but then when he moved here, he was delivering pizzas and um, washing dishes and you know that kind of work at in the very beginning um, but then also trying to get other jobs working multiple jobs so he was just that hard-working person 
and I mean, honestly, like in my, in my early childhood, I don't have a lot of memories of him because he was working so hard more. So my mom was there though, um, in our first, in my first five years, um, she was home before she eventually, um, started working outside the home herself, but yeah, very, you know, hard, hardworking. They had their full-time jobs, um, for their four children. I'm the third of the four. Um, and I was a latchkey kid, you know, my parents were working and they came home late. So we had to come home, let ourselves in with a key in elementary school. My sister had to like start dinner and everything so that we could all eat on time and eat together, but really no, no complaints though. It was just normal and, um, yeah, happy. That sounds a bit like my childhood actually, you know, the latchkey kid thing and just letting Mm -hmm. yourself, it's not so much. A thing now I don't think but um yeah so tell me a little bit about your earliest memories of spending time with your mum growing up so my mom always tells me that I was born a, a very afraid I was a scared nervous baby I came out that way um and she always says that I just wanted to be with my family um I didn't want to talk or interact with anyone else I wouldn't smile. I wouldn't answer you if you tried to talk to me. (laughs) Um, And then I had this gang of siblings. Two of them were older, so they could kind of take control of conversations or, you know, lead the way. And then I had this younger brother who was like a clown and he was so cute as a baby and just so charming. So I could just be quiet and be by myself and not do anything. (laughs) Just like relax and, um, you know, have an easygoing life where I could just be quiet and be with my family. So my memory of my mom is basically of her initially just being home and taking care of us, not very hands-on verbally, I would say, like she was just busy with household things. Um, But I don't really have a lot of memories of conversations with her. I have a few (laughs) awkward, awkward memories um, that really stick out in my head of like, just when I look back as an adult, they're very, very strange. It all kind of makes sense later in life. And I'll, I'll just share this very odd memory that's coming to mind as you're asking this question. So I remember one day that we were, we were home and suddenly she asked me to go to the bathroom, just sit on the toilet. And I said, okay, I'll do this. And I'm probably four years old. So I, I go on the toilet, I'm just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, a man who must have been a plumber or something comes into the bathroom. And I was really, I wasn't using the bathroom, but I, ha- I was sitting on the toilet with my little pants down, um, right. just following the instructions of my mom. And then this like plumber person comes in, I, I guess he was a plumber. Um, and then he says, oh, I'm so sorry. And then he closes the door and leaves. And I think what was happening was, there must've been a plumbing situation and we called a plumber in, but then my mom maybe changed her mind or everything was fine. So instead of telling the plumber, we don't need your help anymore. She kind of like created this awkward situation where he would just assume like, Oh, I can't, I can't come here, go in there right now. And then she probably like segued that into, okay, we'll come back another time. We'll call you. Um, I have a lot of (laughs) strange memories of like, just situations where instead of being forthcoming or straightforward or just saying what you think, saying how you feel, saying what you need, 
there were these roundabout ways of communicating those things. And it's, it's very odd that that's a memory that I have of my mom. But as an adult, when I think about my challenges and my strengths, I think about that situation. And it was very formative, I think, in terms of understanding how my mom communicates and how I should communicate. That's Um, interesting. It's confusing, though, for a kid, right? There must have been a strange must have been a fair bit of confusion if that's that you're being communicated to regularly nothing is ever straightforward yes yes I mean it wasn't a problem then but like I said I was just a very daydreamy kind of child and I just was easygoing and I went with the flow but when I think back on my childhood there really wasn't a lot of talking with my parents there was a lot of care and love and consistency you know we had our routines and we had our homemade dinners every night Um, even when my mom was a preschool teacher and commuting into the city coming home late also getting her master's degree at the same time Um, and still we always ate together we always had homemade dinners together we never had takeout so everything was there all the ingredients were there for a caring household but I think there was a lot of silence in in a strange way. There was peace, but there was a lot of silence when there probably didn't need to be. And what about your dad? How did you connect with your dad when you were a little kid? As I said, I, I don't have a lot of memories of my dad because he was always working, but he is, he, like my mom, is a very gentle soul. So, you know, I have memories of him sometimes, like just putting me to bed, patting my back. Um, Not a lot of memories of conversation, though. Again, it's almost like my parents were in the background working on their careers and then working on the house and providing for us. Um, But I think because of their upbringing, their own upbringing, and there's a cultural component to this as well, uh, as well as probably just the times that they they grew up, the decade they grew up in. there just wasn't a lot of communication. And so that's how our household was as well. But there wasn't a sense of lack either at the time because we were cared for. And because my parents were so gentle, their personalities naturally, I feel like we just had a very peaceful, gentle home, like no complaints. Yeah. So tell me about that cultural element to your childhood and and to their childhood as well what was that about what is that cultural element the lack of communication or it's just not part of what they did well I, I would say this is part of Filipino culture but also I would say also in other Asian cultures there are certain things that are really prized and you know above all other qualities and you know respect, having respect for your parents and having family come first. Um, so these were all things that my, my parents grew up with and they instilled in us at, as well. So like in our house, everyone spoke very gently and we couldn't, or we, we didn't, there was no cursing or even words like, you know, stupid or dumb words that aren't necessarily curses, but they were not allowed. I, you couldn't speak in a rough way or a, a way that was disrespectful. 
So uh, that was in our family culture as well. And um, I mean, my memory of that was, it was great. I, I feel like I look back at my childhood and I feel like it was very happy. It's only as an adult, I would say, in retrospect that I could see, huh, well, there, there were a couple of holes in the story, you know, like I didn't have parents who would come to watch me, you know, in my school sports or go to my middle school music concerts. My parents were very busy and there were four of us. Uh, so it's funny because I, I think about my, I have two children of my own and, um, you know, we're recording this 2021. I'm in the United States. It, it's kind of, you know, you're encouraged to really be there, be present, be hands-on with your children. And there's a lot of psychology and like support um, reading material for parents these days that my parents did not have. So when I think about back then, you know, not having someone talk to me or like really get to know me or go to my school activities, I can see it, it, it is a little bit sad when I frame it that way. But at the same time, when I was living it, it felt fine. Like I didn't really know what I was missing. And I guess that's the same for everybody, isn't it? It doesn't matter what happens in your childhood. It's just your normal, right? It's um, yes. It's not until you get older that these things become more apparent. So your parents weren't coming to sporting events and things like that, but what were they focused on in terms of, were they focused on academics or what was important to them? So what was important to them, like so many immigrants who like, you know, they sacrifice so much to come here. They want their, their children. I was going to say students. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a Freudian slip, right? So they want their children to do really well in school because they don't want, they, they didn't want us to have zero opportunities to not have great job opportunities and prospects. So the expectation um, and the value in our family was do well in school. As long as you are doing well in school and you're respectful and you're not causing too much trouble, you're golden, you're fine. And um, it, it's funny because in some ways that really benefited us, you know, to keep it that simple. Um, and all my siblings kind of grew up to, um, like all my siblings are intelligent in different ways and they're all, um, very compassionate people and um, emotionally intelligent people. I was thinking the other day, I was telling my sister, how is it that all four of us are really introspective? How did that happen? And, you know, especially because we have parents who were not really expressive and emotionally intelligent, uh, or at least not outwardly. And then I realized, I think it's because when it could go one of many ways, but when you don't have someone guiding you and telling you the ways that you can think, um, the ways to think about yourself and the world. I think you kind of have to raise yourself a little bit. And for some, you know, that probably leads down some challenging paths because you don't have that compass, inner compass that you might have, you might follow some bad influences. But I think for us, um, it, it did create um, four introspective 
pretty but different um, children and, and adults eventually. So we were probably, except for my youngest brother, we were all, we were good students, mostly followed the rules, <laughs> yeah. all the things that immigrant parents would want. So I would say academics and just being kind and not making many waves. Those were really valued in our, yeah. in our family. And as a family with four kids and, and you didn't have that sort of connection, communication with your parents, did you develop that amongst the four of you, do you think, as younger kids? Or was that just something that you developed individually as you grew up? We had a great relationship. There wasn't a lot of fighting. We had a lot of fun. We're just four goofballs even now. But I, I would say even though we all get along, we all got along then and we all get along very well now, we have such love for each other. There is still a piece of all of us trying to protect each other from, I, I should say, all of us have our own secrets and pains that we carry with us, but we don't really want to share them with each other because we don't want to burden each other. This is not something that like I've explicitly spoken with my siblings about, but it seems odd to me now as an adult to feel like I have such a good relationship with, with these three other people. And yet I feel like, you know, there's that fear of sharing so much of your vulnerability that um, you make someone worried about you. I think we all have that fear, like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. We're good. All is well. Yeah. So it's kind of like we can, we continue that dynamic yes. as adults. Yeah, it's very absolutely. strange. It's very strange. And I actually, you know, I, I look at other families, especially families that have four children. And I look at just the dynamics and the relationships and and things, and I always compare what we what we are as a pod um, to how other large families are, and it, it strikes me as odd as that we have like this really peaceful, loving community vibe, and yet there is something there when I think about it that is missing. I would say that like complete vulnerability. Yeah, because that's that's what you've all been trained for, right? You've all been brought up in exactly the same way and it's just, to, it sounds as if it's just to have a beautiful, peaceful time, always being on top of everything, not really delving into emotion and not trying to, you know, share too much, upset anybody. It seems to be yeah. that's what you've all been trained to be growing up. And those things are so beautiful. I think a lot of families would be like, "Oh, yeah, we we we'd be happy to have that for our family." You know, <laughs> we don't we don't want all this other stuff that's going on because it sounds lovely, but then there is that thing missing, isn't there? That really deep connection where you just feel like you can delve in and and really support and really got somebody who's got your back, and you know that they yeah. they probably they you know that they've got your back and. Yeah, it just hasn't got that depth to it, I suppose. Yeah, it's almost like it's un, it's unspoken. I guess that's what it is. The the depth and the love there is is unspoken. Um, because I know that when we do get together and one of us does open up, we really hold that space for each other. 
and and like I shared before, we're all pretty introspective, so we can we can actually communicate very well in terms of like how we're feeling. We just choose not to. <laughs> okay. So it, it's just a funny thing, and I I think it's funny too that you say other families would say, "Hey, that doesn't sound so bad," <laughs> which is probably true. Which is probably true. But I'll I'll share with you the flip side that because we live, we grew up in a household with, without much conflict. In fact, I've never, I've never seen my parents fight um, growing up, except for just one awkward time around the table during lunch. There was one argument. Um, And I remember it so clearly because there was just one. And it's the only time I ever heard my parents disagree or have you know, a little spat in, in front of us, but otherwise I never heard them angry at all, not with each other, not complaining about someone at work, nothing at all. I never heard them angry. Um, and they, sometimes they got annoyed with us if we weren't listening. Um, but otherwise I didn't hear what I didn't hear a model for what it's like to express your anger whether in a healthy or unhealthy way. So then when kind of fast forward in college, when I'm kind of on my own, you know, I'm with roommates and it's the first time I'm away from home, um, I really was so out of touch with my own anger. I didn't know, I wasn't even aware when I was mad. And when I did feel mad, it came out in such strange ways and people did not, you know, people would tell me also that, why are you so weird? <laughs> why are you acting that way? And I couldn't, I wasn't even self-aware enough to, to explain. So it's wow. just so funny because in some ways I have, you know, the, when you grow up in that kind of household, you have these spidey senses, like these, you know, like Spider-Man just has these senses. So I'm really sensitive really empathetic. I can pick up on things and I just understand people. Right. But on the flip side, it's totally devoid of learning about anger and how to express it, when to express it. How does it feel? Um, How do you deal with it in a healthy way? How do you make up after? Um, And so really created actually a fear. I have a long time fear of anger. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it will probably be terrifying to be around people who are really angry when it's just something you've never experienced. And so when you did feel anger, how would it present? So as a kid, if I was angry, I remember, I don't remember what made me angry, but instead of telling my parents that I disagreed or, you know, I didn't like what they said, I just kind of stomped my feet as I walked up the stairs. I slammed my door. I vacuumed really <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, so it was just kind of things like that. And um, again, I didn't have a model for it. When I went to college, I remember my, I had two roommates and we shared a tiny room and there was something going on that was making me angry. I don't remember what it was, but my two roommates were on one side of the, room and then I was by myself at my desk and I just started kind of I had a pen and I just started drawing and making lines on my paper in front of me just out of frustration but it was really loud 
And I could see them at the corner of my eye, just looking at each other and saying, what is she doing? Like, why is she, why is she drawing really loudly? (laughs) And it just is so bizarre to feel like in some ways, mature, insightful and sensitive, but then in other ways, so underdeveloped as a human to not have those tools and then to have to learn as an adult to do something so basic as to disagree when I disagree or share a dissenting opinion, um, share when I'm annoyed, be able to share different degrees of anger. I'm so bad at all of those things. Um, Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So uh, how did you learn then to, what did you have to do? Did you have to learn to recognize the anger? And then what were the steps to getting better at that? Well, it's been a long journey. I still look at my parents, you know, and their relationship, their marriage. I still watch them and see how they deal with their anger. And I think they've made some improvements and I'm trying to make my own improvements as well. I think I went a long time, 40 now. But I really didn't, I didn't realize I had this underdeveloped ability to express anger until just recently. There are things in my, in my home, I'm married and I have two children and, you know, we both work. It's very stressful and we're recording this during COVID. So there's, you know, a lot of stress, you know, in multiple ways. And I see myself in this role of this, the peacemaker and the peacekeeper, because I grew up in that home that was very peaceful. But now I've also got these things that are very stressful to me. And one year, or it, I think actually it was before COVID, I just kind of, it all came crashing down, where I realized, you know what, I think my life would be happier if I could just say, have stronger boundaries, and say no, and just share when I don't like how I'm being treated. And it's like, I have to practice little by little, you know, even just a few weeks ago, there was something that my husband had done that I didn't like. And the normal me would just ignore it. And he might come back later and say, are you mad? And I would say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But this time you know, because of COVID and everything is just so stressful. And I'm feeling like, you know, I want to be healthier at home. 
I thought to myself, I'm going to share that I am mad. <laughs> and I just said, I'm mad. And then I, and I just said, I don't like that you said that. And that I didn't say much more. That's all I could get myself to say. And I just wanted to see what happened. It was so scary yeah. because I hate confrontation and I don't, you know. Um, and what happened was he was like, oh, you know, okay, I'm sorry. Like he, he had a reaction. He was defensive at first, but then eventually he said, I'm sorry. I realized that I was wrong about that. And, and it was an incredible feeling. I had never done that before to assert myself and then see what happened, but only assert myself in a little way. And it's like all in this little incubator of safe home, you know, with my husband and to see that reaction. And so I think I'm going to be doing more of that kind of practicing just in the little things so that hopefully when it comes to the big, bigger things, I can have the courage to, to be honest. Oh, I love that. I love, it sounds so beautiful that you just said, I'm mad, you know, it's like, there was no, like having a loud voice or anything, you know, and that's, and that's all we need to do sometimes, isn't it? Just the release of of that anger that we're holding inside, it can feel explosive. But if you can just say, I'm putting a boundary here and I'm saying that what you did wasn't wasn't good for me, you know, and I don't want right. I can't I can't accept that. I can just feel that it must be just quite a relief to know mm-hmm. that that's a possibility that you can yes. actually do that. Yes, because the fear is. The fear is if I am angry and I say something that you don't like, you'll be mad at me and maybe this relationship is over. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that with my parents, because every time I did express anger, their way of responding was to just ignore it. Like, oh, okay. You're stomping your feet up the stairs. I mean, they never came up and followed up about why I was mad or why were you stomping? You shouldn't be doing that or slamming doors. Um, and other times too, when I, I remember having a little tantrum about whatever, like I wanted a toy at the toy store and I couldn't get it. Or if I, you know, scraped my knee and I just felt like screaming for an hour, <laughs> there was never any response. Mm-hmm. And I think it was partly because, you know, when a, when a child is like, having a tantrum you don't feed the fire um you don't try to like squelch it that's or at least this is what my parents did they just they just ignored the chaos and the commotion because you're not supposed to act like that um so I think that that was the messaging that I always received was um it's not appropriate to to scream and have a tantrum or or be upset and if you do that, I will not respond. And, and that's that. And eventually the, the anger dissipates. Mm. Or um, I might like pick up on a little bit of a passive aggressive attempt at discipline. Um, and by that, I'll say like, what was it? I think I wanted a toy. So then, you know, my mom, she didn't tell me to stop screaming in the toy store. but she, And she, she just gave in eventually. She bought it, but she just kind of like tossed it at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that kind of like I'm going to non-verbally tell you that what you, how you're behaving in the store is wrong and you're annoying me right now and you shouldn't get what, what, whatever you want just because you cry. So instead of doing any of those three things, it was just like ignore, but you know, okay, fine. I'll give in. Here's your dang toy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so. interesting, isn't it? Because it's such a fine line, the way that parents react to all of our emotions, because if you're a kid having a tantrum and the parent then gets upset and angry with you, so that's a whole bunch of stuff that you've got to deal with there. But then on the other end of it where you were was that your your mum just would ignore it completely, which is, is just invalidating your feelings. It's saying what you feel is doesn't matter it's unimportant and that's that's a really hard thing to to deal with as well because when you feel like what you feel doesn't matter then it's almost like I don't matter because when we're young we don't understand that feelings are separate from us it is us so when when it's invalidated I feel like it's almost like well I'm unimportant and I don't I don't have the right to assert myself. I don't have the right to have an opinion, you know, Mm -hmm. and those are the things I think that we really take on for life. Yes. Yes. And it's so funny that you, that you frame it that way, that you express it that way, because um, in the last year or so I've been interested, we were talking about this earlier. I've been interested in the Enneagram, which is a personality typing tool. And I, I, took that test. I read the books and I'm a type nine, which is the peacemaker. And this tends to be a person who, you know, they're very easygoing. They're very likable, empathetic. They go with the flow. They have this connection to other people and, and nature and spirituality. Um, uh, They're good mediators and healers. Um, However, the flip side is that there is this feeling like I'm not that important and do I matter I'm so small you know I'm not that high impact action oriented person I'm just so small um and there's the fear of conflict it's one of the hallmarks of this type nine this fear of conflict and the repression of anger and when I think about the roots of of that of who I've become as an adult and like how I view anger. It's all from what I observed as a child and what was, you know, what was made an example for, for me and how I was treated back then. Um, And again, it doesn't feel like I had a bad childhood. I don't feel like I was repressed or shot down. I don't feel any of that. But it might be because I've become so comfortable with the smallness, with that feeling of, well, you know, other people can have their strong opinions, but I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll go with the flow. No problems here. So I think it's got to be just practice, hasn't it? You know, you've got to, like you say, you've got you've got to start small and and just build up to feeling confident in and having some anger and having some boundaries and putting yourself out there. It's really just practicing, I think, doing better at that. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just being aware in the first place that it's an issue. Yeah. And I've become, I've become aware as an adult, you know, there are things in my career that have been a struggle. There, there are issues in relationships I've been in all because I can't just say how I feel and I can't, you know, assert myself. So Mm -hmm. when it all comes back to bite you in the butt, then you realize, oh, I think I have to make a change. And yeah, yeah. and I, and I look at my parents again, they are making their own efforts as adults, older adults. Now they're in their seventies, even so, even in their seventies, they are both still struggling with communication with each other. And I see them improving and trying in ways that they were not willing to try earlier in their marriage, but it's still a journey. Even when you're 72, Yeah, it's like, wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, if, if it's something that you, if you can have those realizations earlier in your life and try to change them, but some people never, ever have them. They, they never get those realizations because how old are your kids now? Um, my son is six and my daughter is one, okay. about one and a half. Yeah. So how do you encourage them to show their emotions? What are you doing with them that's different? Oh, I'm so, I'm just like my parents in some ways. And then in other ways, I'm, I'm making an effort to be the opposite. And maybe we're all like that as parents, right? We kind of we almost can't help but be like our parents in certain ways. It's, it's just ingrained in us. But then also when we have that self-awareness of like what we would want different, what we would have preferred growing up and trying to do that and deliver that to your own children, um, I think is what has happened with me. So with my kids, my background is in mental health. So I, the way I speak with them, you know, I, I want to hear what they have to say. I want to, I encourage them to express their feelings, even the hardest emotions, even when they're like, just so angry. I'm thinking of my son specifically, um, who he's a tornado of emotion. He is, he, when he's happy, he is so loud and energetic. Um, when he's mad, he's so mad and he's not afraid to express it. Um, so I try to just give him the, the words and the language to identify the feeling, like just name it. What's the feeling you feel mad, you feel frustrated, you know, does that make you feel happy? I just give him the words and I give him a lot of space to express himself. So that's been an interesting journey in a way. It's a little bit healing, you know, trying to give him the skills that I didn't have that I'm still trying to teach myself. And then at the same time, it's so interesting because I, I, I still struggle with boundaries, you know? So disciplining my kids is, is difficult for me because that's all about boundaries um, and structure. And those are just things I'm not, I was never good at. So raising children is such a journey. It is like, it's the most powerful teacher. Yeah. Um, really makes me reflect on, on my parents and how I was raised for sure. What's funny is because I'm the peaceful person in the house, when I do show any anger at all, my boy who is so sensitive, he can pick up on any 
any little bit of anger that I have, any little bit of frustration, and he's so sensitive to it. My husband, on the other, he he's the opposite. He's an extrovert. He um, expresses his anger and then some. So my son and my husband, they fight a lot. They're both, you know, very vocal. And I hardly ever get very angry. But when I do, it's it can be very subtle, but my son picks up on it. And instead of fighting me when I start to raise my voice or really try to set the boundaries, instead of fighting me the way that he fights with my husband, he gets so sad. He doesn't want me to be mad. He will do anything. He'll cry. He goes from being mad to being, to crying and feeling sorry. And no, mommy, don't be mad. I want you to be that peaceful, loving, gentle person that you usually are. Mm -hmm. So it's just so funny because um, he's so sensitive to it. I don't have to say much or do much. And he knows, he knows when he's crossed the line with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Oh, I love that. It is. It's just that they just rely on you to be that beautiful, calm presence in the house. And I think it's scary when, oh my gosh, you know, she's angry. And then they really take it seriously because I think when you have a parent that's always angry, then it's just like, I think you almost can't deal with it as a kid. You know, you, you almost. Yeah oh, here we are again and, and everything is is yes. too much. But I think when yes. um, when it's the, the, the parent that you rely on to be the calm one, it's, um yeah, it's like, no, <laughs> no, you've exactly. got to be, you've got to be the calm parent. So what, what do you want for your kids, you know, as they get older? What are, what are the things that, that you really want for them? It's different for both of them because even though they're only six and one, you know, children, they come out with, they're very, they're very pure, but they come out with a certain kind of spirit. They're just born with some, you know, a temperament. So even though they're so young for my son, because I, as I shared, he's a tornado of emotion um, and he, he does get very anxious. My wish for him, because he kind of, came out like an old man. That's my joke. Like he came out with the personality of an old man. He's like so particular, very anxious and, um, you know, like a grouchy old man who like, get off my lawn. <laughs> that's, how my, <laughs> that's how my son is. So I always, my wish for him is that he would learn to have joy, no matter, you know, even when times are tough, that he can still enjoy his life. Because when you're emotional and sensitive like that, you can easily be pulled, right? Like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is the best day ever. You know, in, in fact, sometimes he, he got this from TV. He, he says, um, I hate my life. And, um, you know, he's only six, but I know he's heard it from like people on YouTube. He says, I hate my life. This is the worst day ever. You know, if I have the wrong cereal for him or whatever. <laughs> So I, I try to, I try to replace that sentence. And I say, Connor, say this instead. I'm upset. I'm frustrated that this is the cereal I have to eat. I'm, I'm mad that I can't have the cereal I was hoping for. So now he's getting it. He replaces that sentence with a more specific thought and emotion. Uh -huh. 
Um, and then just other ways of just, you know, when he gets into his cycles of and his tantrums and things, I'm just trying to brighten the mood and see the big picture. That's my wish for him. And that's what I model for him. Yeah. And then for my daughter, she's only one and a half, but I can already see that their temperaments are so different. She's very easygoing, very happy. Uh, so we'll see. Time will tell what she'll need. But I think my main focus is just starting with who they are naturally, being able to see what's special about them. I tell Connor all the time what's so special about him. And to the point where he repeats it to other people. <laughs> oh, it's I very cute. That. That's um, he'll, he'll say, um, you know, because he's, he's very particular, right? So it's hard to feed him. It's hard to transition him from one activity to the next. Like he can feel every sensation in his clothes and they annoy him. So I tell him, you're so unique. You are just such a unique person. And then I heard him the other day, um, like my husband was getting frustrated because he wouldn't, he wouldn't eat something or whatever. He wouldn't eat what we made him. And he was like, it's because I'm unique. Oh, I, <laughs> love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but you know, that's just so awesome. Cause you know, you're filling them up with so much positive, so much positive. Are there any books that have helped you on, on your journey? There are a lot of books that I've read. Um, the most recent one, I think that was the most influential and impactful for me and inspiring. I have it actually behind me here. So it's Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. So that very, that book resonates very much with me as someone who, as I've kind of got the double whammy, like I'm a woman. So as a woman, there's a layer of, um, feeling hesitant to just be who you are and take up space. So as a woman, there's that layer. And then there's, of course, my upbringing in my family and in our culture. So that book really, really spoke to me. And I have this, um, there's a story about a cheetah in that book. I don't know if you've read, read the book before. I have this little sticker on my desk oh. of a cheetah. And she tells a story in the book of um, a cheetah that I guess is in, it was at a zoo and it had been trained to kind of chase a little rabbit and race a dog, like a dog or something that was also at the zoo. And they did that in front of a crowd and everyone would clap, you know, it's just a little spectacle at this zoo. And the author says that after the cheetah does the little trick, runs around the track and chases the bunny, um, they give it a piece of meat and then they have the cheetah go back in its cage and the cheetah enjoys its, its resting, it's starting to calm down. But then you kind of look at it and you feel a little sorry for it because it's this wild animal that's caged and, um, you know, just trying to get in touch with that cheetah. Who are you? Who are you really? Yeah. Without the cage, who are you really? So I just like that that idea. So I keep this little cheetah sticker by my desk. As a reminder. Try to access. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So you have a business that you're getting going and it's called Let Your Nine Shine. You, you talked a little bit about it earlier. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about 
what you're doing and where we can find you. So let your nine shine is something that I creating for other women who are a nine on the Enneagram, my fellow peacemakers. Um, and it, it was born out of, uh, this struggle that I've had where, um, you know, I'm a nine, I'm a peacemaker. I go with the flow and it's so hard to be a confident person in our culture when you're when you live life at a slower pace when you're a little quieter you're gentle and you don't assert yourself if i were to be more confident what would that look like what would a confident powerful peacemaker look like so my agenda my goal is to try to empower women who are this personality type and show them what is it like when there's a fire in someone like you? What could that look like? So what this means is I'm starting a podcast that's coming out. I don't know when th this podcast episode will be aired, but I'm um, launching a podcast called Let Your Nine Shine. Um, and I'm also launching a subscription box. So basically it's a monthly personal development subscription box for women. Um, basically you would get a book such as Glennon Doyle's Untamed that would be inspiring and some other items in the box that would hopefully encourage some confidence. Uh, so all of that is launching soon. I'm just preparing in the early phases of it, but it's really exciting. It's kind of coming full circle and making meaning of this this journey that I've had so far doing something good with it yeah absolutely I love that I'm so excited for for your journey and yeah I'll be keeping an eye on what you're up to and I'd love to see where you're going to be taking it so where can we find you on Instagram everything is brand new so I'm just starting to um, create my social media but my handle on Instagram is at let your nine shine and the nine is the number nine it's not spelled out and I have um I do have a landing page set up right now but I think the best way for anyone to get in contact with me is at let your nine shine on Instagram oh awesome well thank you so much Kimberly I've absolutely loved this conversation today. It's been so lovely to catch up with you and hear about your beautiful, calm family. I just, I can feel the calm, just kind of really, you're just in this aura of calm and um, it's a beautiful way to have been brought up, but I loved hearing about the other side of it too. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. I just have to share. I've heard a couple episodes of this, of this show. I love your intro. Um, to your show, everything that you share, I think you what you're doing is so beautiful and so needed. So it's really an honor for me to be here and speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Please check the show notes for all the links related to this podcast, including book recommendations. If you have a story to share, questions about this episode or want to connect in any way, I would love to chat. Please come and find me on Instagram at mybigloveproject and please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Can you think of one person whose life might change a tiny bit in a positive way by hearing this episode? Please go ahead and share it with someone you know needs to hear it. These stories are so important. 
you are such an incredible soul because you are you you are unique your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story your time is precious and i so appreciate you being here thank you for joining me i'll catch you next week